I'm Bishop Sherman Young. Each week, the Word Break podcast answers questions about God, faith, and other spiritual issues. Here is this week's message. Numbers, we have the story of Israel en route to the promised land. Egypt is behind them, the promised land is before them, and they are somewhere in the middle. You remember, the promised land is on the other side of Jordan. (laughs) The promises of God are always on the other side of something. If you're going to obtain the promise of God, you've got to be willing to deal with whatever obstacle is in the way. And you know that you're right at the fulfillment of the promise if the obstacle is something you can't handle. Whatever God has promised you, whatever you're seeking in life, it's on the other side of something difficult. If it's not difficult, it's not that obstacle that you have to deal with in order to get your inheritance. One of the problems with churches today and with people who are Christian today is that they don't know how to endure hardship. They run from struggle and suffering. The Bible says that it's the struggle of life or the tribulation that breeds character and then character hope. Whatever God has for me, it's on the other side of something I don't want to deal with. And it's on the other side of something so intimidating that it makes me give up on what I'm after. And then I have to go back and get a new mind, new strength, and then go through that obstacle. For Israel, it was the Jordan River. And the Jordan River stood between where we find them in Numbers 32 and where God had intended for them to be. They are on the east side of Jordan. Would you say that with me, please? They're on the east side of Jordan. And on the other side of Jordan, there is the promised land. But if you look at Numbers 32, you will find that this is what happened when they were settled down, encamped on the east side. The tribes of Reuben and Gad had a lot of livestock. And when they saw how suitable the land of Jazer and Gilead was for cattle, they went to Moses, Eliezer, and the other leaders of the community and said, this region which the Lord has helped the Israelites to occupy, the towns of Atroth and Debon, Jazer and Nimrah, Hesbon, Eliela, Ziba, Zipna, Nebo, and beyond is good land for our livestock. And we have so much livestock. Please give us this land as our property. And do not make us cross the River Jordan and settle there. I want to talk to you in this um, part of the series on challenging your future from the subject, don't settle for less. Would you touch a person close by and look at them and tell them, don't settle 
for less. The story is clear that these people are on a mission. They're traveling. They're sojourning. But they got to a place that they negotiated to settle there rather than go after God's best. Now, it's true that in this life, our knowledge has doubled, but our troubles have tripled. We know more than we've ever known before. Knowledge is everywhere. There was a time that you would have to refer to a dictionary or an encyclopedia in order to get access to certain knowledge. Now it's as close as your cell phone. With search engines like Bing and Google, knowledge is instantaneous. It was reported a few weeks ago that the IQ of young people in America is now lower than it was 20 years ago because they don't really have to learn when you can research it on your cell phone. And so because we have an increase in knowledge, we rejoice in the fact that knowledge is power. But yet in the midst of our increase in knowledge, our troubles have also increased. There's more depression now than ever before. People are tired and wearied, worn out. People are tired of being broken down, broken up. We live in a time where people are just not happy. And we keep pursuing happiness, which is really a flaw in our own constitution, talking about the pursuit of happiness. Happiness is not anything that you chase. Happiness has to do with the joy that you have in the Lord and understanding that you don't run behind different things to make you happy because when you do that, you'll never stop running and you'll never stop chasing things. And so we live in a time where we've got more education, but we've also got more depression. And with that situation comes this temptation to settle, to not pursue, to not run behind or go after that which God intends for us to have. Um, for example, we know when we read the Bible that Jesus talks about with faith you can do impossible things. The Bible said, with God, all things are possible. Then another scripture said, all things are possible to him that believes. And so God has in store for us much more than what we have right now. But the mindset that we have in this push and pull and this time of depression and time of defeat, like the people that we read about in Numbers 32, we find a comfortable place and we settle there. Too many of God's people have settled for too little. Too many of God's people have settled for what's good and forgotten about what's best. And what the word tells us today is that these people, these two tribes, made a great mistake. They looked at the blessing and favor of God in a place 
that was to prepare them for their future, and they decided to settle there. We are predestined for glory. We are prepared for glory, and we are preserved for glory. Glory is where God wants us to be. And along the way, we encounter good things, but God never intends for us to settle. No matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been a believer, no matter how many prayers you prayed, God never intends for any of us to settle because it is the heart of God that we go from, the Bible says, faith to faith and from strength to strength and from glory to glory. So we need to look at some things when it comes to this matter of inheriting God's best for us. Understanding that God is on the side of life. The word of God says in his favor is life. Weeping may endure for night, but joy comes in the morning. The Bible said that God will give us the desires of our heart. The Bible said the meek shall inherit the earth. It is clearly taught in scripture that there is always a progression. There is always a next level. There is always a higher place. When I first started pastoring, churches all around the country would sing that song, Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. No higher plane that I found, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. And for everyone in this room, there is higher ground. And wherever you are today, no matter how comfortable it might be, understand that God has more for us because we are his children. Now, the biggest thing between, when you look at this Numbers 32, Israel, Israel is God's land. Israel, the nation of Israel, that's God's people. But we are God's children. God has more in store for us than he had for them. And understanding that means that we have to always be willing to go for the higher land. So the first thing I need you to see is that we must take action. Can you say that? We must what? Take action. You know, some people cling to what God has done. They hold on to it. They get comfortable with it. But that's a comfort zone. When we cling and hang on, that's a comfort zone. Many don't pray big prayers. Many don't have big faith. Many don't reach for the higher territory because they are clinging or holding on to their comfort zone. There are many that would say, well, why should I want anything better when I like what I have right now? But the truth is that because my father has intentions for me and my father has a promised land for me, I must not be comfortable in what I want but always seek what he wants for me. Some in this room have actually gotten to the point that they've gotten so comfortable that they don't really pray that much about anything anymore. Just, Lord, keep me every day. Keep me where I am. But listen, God wants us to grow more. 
God wants us to live higher. God wants us to have more. God wants us to achieve more. God wants us to reach more people. God wants us to represent him. There is always progress. What is the old saying? There's always room for progress. Or there's always room for improvement. Even if you just got out of high school or you're just getting out of college or even if you've been on a job for 20 years, it's still, there is still more that God wants us to have. But it is human nature to settle when we get comfortable. The Israelis that we read about, the Reubenites and the Gadites of the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a lot of cattle. And they had a lot of goats. And they had a lot of sheep. And the land where they found themselves on the east of Jordan was perfect for livestock. So they took what God had blessed them with as an excuse to not go for what God had destined them to have. You see, that's what we do. We get an answer to prayer and we love it so much until we stop pushing for the higher ground. How many understand there's more for your life than what you've got right now? How many know there's more for this church than what she has right now? How many know that God wants to carry us to higher places than we are right now? And we must always go after that which God wants us to have. But we cling and hold on to a comfort zone. They had livestock. Well, they got that from God. They had cattle and sheep and goats. They got that from God. And you know what they said? Since we've got this livestock and the grass is green right here, let's not fight for the promised land. Let's not go after those giants over there. Let's not cross the Jordan River. Let's just love it right where we are. Now, I don't know about you. I can only be, speak personally for me. I don't ever intend to settle for anything. Let me try that again. I said I don't ever intend to settle for anything. I like what I do, but I'm not, I'm not satisfied. Let me try it again. I like preaching to you, but I'm not satisfied. I like the work of the ministry that I do, but I'm not satisfied. I like traveling within this nation and out of this nation to teach and preach, but I'm not satisfied. I like the fact that you love me. I love you, but I've got to tell you right now, I ain't satisfied. There must always be the push to go higher, the push to live higher and understand that the Bible talks very specifically about the promised land. Who promised it? God promised it. They didn't ask for it. He set it up for them. What we should desire is to grow larger, to grow stronger. What we should desire always is to get more done for the Lord. You said, but Pastor, I like my job. I, I, I like working where I work. I, I, I like the people around me. Yeah, but are you satisfied? See, it's one thing to like it. It's another thing to get satisfied. Paul said, I've learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. But content don't mean satisfied. Content means that I can handle it. I know how to deal with it. I know how to work with it. I know how to enjoy it. But I'm still pushing for something more. 
Paul said, I press toward the mark of the higher calling of God in Christ Jesus. And if there is anything that I notice that people of God today lack, it is the press for the higher calling. The pressure to get to the higher place. We're stressed out about everything but how we're serving the Lord. Let me ask you, do you pray enough? Do you serve God enough? Do you give to the Lord enough? Do you do whatever you do in the church or in the kingdom enough? Because I don't know how to do enough. Every time I pray, I realize I need to pray more. Every time I give, I realize I need to give more. Every time I help somebody, I realize I need to help more people. Every time I teach, I realize I need to teach more because there is more to come. And so we have to be careful about the comfort zone. We have to be careful that we don't settle for too little. We have to be careful that we're not at ease in Zion. You know, for our own history, there were a lot of slaves in Alabama that didn't want to be free. They liked the plantation. And they enjoyed the fact that their food was provided. They, they, they liked living there under those conditions. Anybody here remember the Civil Rights Movement? The older black family or black person did not appreciate the civil rights movement. Those were children out there marching. When Bull Connor turned the hoses on in Birmingham, those were children he turned those hoses on to. I wish I had some help here. We understand that there is a place where we get in life where we're comfortable and we stop pushing for more. I don't know about you, but I've raised my expectations. I believe that when you've got God with you, that you are unstoppable. I believe there are no limits. I wish I could get some help. I believe the only ceiling is what you put over your own head. But the truth is that when you're in God's service and when you are in relationship with God, no matter what goes on in life, you know there is more good to come. And so when we talk about taking actions, there are two sets of sins we have to remember. There's the sin of commission. Would you say commission? And there are sins of omission. Would you say omission? Now sins of commission are the things that we do. They're the overt action that we take. They're the things that we do that are against God. But when we talk about sin of omission, that's the right that we should do, but we don't do. We should have helped that person, but we didn't. We should have given, but we chose not to. That, that was a right that needed to be done, but for our own personal reason, we decided not to do it. Now, both are sins. Sin is just not what you do. It's the right that you should have done and didn't do. Well, procrastination is a sin of omission. And procrastination means to put stuff off. It means to push stuff back. It means to delay things. It means to ignore things. I'm just going to not worry about that right now. You know, I, 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 I'm just going to enjoy my life like it is right now. How many people are not living their best life because of procrastination? 
How many people are not living the blessed life because of procrastination? How many people could be doing much more for humanity, but they're not because of procrastination? Everybody I meet nowadays has an excuse. Everybody has a reason why they're not doing any more than what they're doing. Everybody says their plate is already full. Everybody said their schedule is already tight. Everybody said there's just not enough hours in a day and not enough days in the week. But listen, maybe you need to change some of what you're doing. Because the truth is, if you're so busy, you don't have the time for God to bless you. You don't have the room for God to add into your life. Because God is a God of overflow. He is not a God that wants to accommodate the space that I have. Whenever God blesses you, it's always going to end up in overflow. How do I know it's God? Because I don't have room to receive it. How do I know it's God? Because my refrigerator ain't big enough. My freezer ain't big enough. My garage is not big enough. My closet is not big enough. My bank account is not the right kind of bank account. It's not big enough. Whenever God blesses you, it's automatically going to overflow. I wish I had a witness here. Come on, read the word of God. The word of God in the book of Genesis said that Joseph sold in a time of drought and famine. When everybody else left town because of the drought, it said he sold seed in that land. And then the Bible said, and the Lord blessed him. And the Bible said he had so much a blessing, he had nowhere to store it. I wish I had a Bible reader. The Bible talks about the fact that when we give to God like we should, when we return the Lord's tithe and give offerings, the Bible said, God said, I will bless you where you won't have room enough to receive it. I wish I had a witness here. Here's what Paul said. Paul said, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. You see, where sin abounds, that's a whole lot of sin. But when grace shows up, it's way more grace than there is sin. Why? Because sin is of the devil, but grace comes from God. Some people have the nerve to think that the devil is in competition with God. That could never work. The devil don't know enough. He ain't got enough. He ain't big enough. He ain't strong enough. He's not powerful enough. He's not evil enough to stand against God. I wish I had a witness. For the devil to compete with God is like a snail racing against a jet. I said for the devil to compete. I wish I had some help. For the devil to compete with God is like a teacup of water trying to compete with the Pacific Ocean. For the devil to try to compete with God is crazy. It's ridiculous. Sin about, you know what people say? Honey, the devil is busy. Guess how much busier God is than the devil? 
The reason the devil is so busy is because God is so wonderful. God is so awesome. God is so mighty. God is so big until the devil can't keep up. He's working overtime, double overtime, triple overtime. To compare the devil with God is like taking a flashlight, turning it on so you can see the sun. Somebody say much more. Say much more grace. Say much more love. Say much more peace. Say much more satisfaction. That's why the Bible tells you fret not yourself against evildoers. Neither be thy envious against the workers of iniquity. They'll soon be cut down. You may see, you may see them driving Bentleys and Rolls Royces. I wish I had somebody. And you're a child of God coming putt-putting along in your old Chevrolet. And you're on one part of the intersection in your old Chevrolet truck. And you look across there and there's a pusher or a pimp riding along in a Rolls Royce. The Bible said don't be envious of that because they're on short time. The Bible said you may see them today, but when you consider them tomorrow, they won't be found. Listen, don't you get intimidated because somebody that does not serve God, does not pray, does not walk in the counsel of God, don't you get intimidated because it looks like they're more blessed than you are. They're on short time. Take action. Somebody said take action. But I want to tell you this, you got to win by losing. You said, you said, Bishop, I tried some of that stuff you preach, and the truth is, I, I couldn't tell a difference. Matter of fact, look like I lost money. Look, look, look like I lost friends. Look like I lost the respect of some people. But can I tell you, winners lose much more often than losers do. Now, losers lose. But in life, the only way to become a winner is to learn how to lose well. I got the wrong crowd. You got to know how to handle loss. You know when your favorite football team, come on Alabama, come on Auburn. When your favorite football team loses the playoff, they don't go home and say, I ain't going to never play no more. We lost the playoff. If they lost the championship game, you know what they say? They say, we'll be back next year. And they go back to the practice field. And they go over every play, every mistake they made. They look at the film again, the video, again and again and again and again. I wish I had a witness. A few years ago when Cleveland won the NBA championship, they were down by several games. And somebody asked LeBron, what did you all do to turn this thing around? He said, I kept looking at the video. And I looked again and again and again and again. And I found every place where we did wrong. And we practiced on that. Honey, you got to learn how to lose well. Don't hold your head down, walk away and say, I'll never try again. Maybe you didn't finish college the first time. 
Maybe you didn't work out in a certain position the first time. Maybe they did lie on you, stab you in the back and hate it on you. Maybe they did get you fired. But listen, don't give up. Go back and play it over and over again. And every time you see a pothole, patch it up. Let me try that again. Don't let your potholes wreck your automobile. Patch it up. You don't dig up a whole road because it's got two potholes in it. You repave it. You don't throw the years of education and experience away because you failed at something. You take your failure and you examine where you did wrong. I wish I had somebody. See, your fear can sabotage your success. I'm too intimidated to go ask the banker for a loan. I'm scared to check my beacon score. I'm scared to check my credit rate. I, 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 I already know what it is. Ain't no need of me looking. I'm scared to try to buy a house. I'm scared. See, you don't know what door God may want to open. And when you go to make that application, you don't know you might be so blessed that as soon as you walk in there say, you know, yesterday they just approved a plan for somebody like you. You don't ever know where your blessing is. So don't let your fears sabotage your success. Is everybody with me? But don't let your strength sabotage your success. Can I tell you this? We are more threatened by our strengths than our weaknesses. Your strengths can mess you up. You ever read in the Bible about a man named Samson? His strength messed him up. See, when you know you're strong, you get proud, arrogant, beside yourself. And sometimes we think we know it all. Let me preach to this side. There's a danger in thinking that you know everything. So sometimes we won't check that credit rating. Sometimes we won't try to advance in life. Sometimes we won't try to go to school because we already think we know how it's going to come out. You know why they didn't want to go over to the promised land? They said the fellows over there are giants. You know what they said? We look like grasshoppers in their sight. Now, the, the enemy didn't say that. The people that God had guaranteed the victory said that. See, two reasons they didn't go over there. They were scared. Can you say they were scared? They were scared. But secondly, they did, they thought, they thought they knew everything. Uh, 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 I can't do that. I'm a woman. I can't do that. I'm a single woman. I, I can't do that. I got these children. I, I can't do that. I, I, I don't have the right connection. I, I can't do that. I got a, I got a record. I, I, I 
can't do that. I did time in jail. I, I can't do that. Listen, you think you know everything, but you don't know God. I wish somebody said, but God. Yes, I got a record, but God. Yes, I've had problems, but God. Yes, there have been trial and tribulation, but God. Your strength can sabotage you. Now, here's another thing we need to work out, and I got to finish this. God uses discipline for our development. I got a mic problem up here, Craig. I can't hear myself. God uses discipline for our development. Look at Hebrews 12, 9, and 10 that I included on your worship sheet. Before I read it, can everybody repeat after me? God is my father. Come on, that's not everybody. And my father can discipline me when it's for my best interest. Why did your mama whip you? And I use the word whip because that's what mama called. She didn't call it discipline. But why did your father discipline you? Because he hated you? And I know some might say, well, mine did. I'm not talking about that. But what is the purpose of it? Now, there's a difference in punishment and discipline. Punishment, I just want to hurt you. And I want you to hurt good. Discipline, I'm trying to better you. But the way to get you better is through the way of pain. God, help me today. Here's what it says, Hebrews 12 and 9. In the case of our human fathers, they punished us. And we respected them. How much more should we submit to our spiritual father and live? Our human fathers punished us for a short time. And it seemed right to them. Seemed right. But God does it for our own good. So that we may share his holiness. Can I get you to look at my necktie? When we talk about holiness, it scares some people. But what holiness is who God is. And God wants us to look like him. Now, I need, a, I, need, I need a few older people now because if a woman had a child and the child didn't look like the woman's husband, the old folk would say, it's a dead cat on the line somewhere. Come on, walk with me so we can get out of here. Listen, if you don't look like your daddy, walk like him. Sound like him. Sing like him. Do something like him. They say it's a dead cat on the line somewhere. Now, if you don't know what that means, ask somebody after church. Well, God wants us to look like him. Baby, do you think you handled your problem you had last week like God would? Do you think you handled your friends the way that God would? Do you think you came in here to worship the way God would come in here to worship? Do you think you had his attitude? Do you think 
had his compassion. You said, well, no, I don't. That's why he has to use discipline in order to develop our holiness. You said, Pastor, he been whipping on me. I can't make nothing work right. And it looked like the more I pray, I don't get the right answer. And then I start off on something and then God won't bless it. And whoo, I'm just tired. Any tired folk up in here. I tell you, our knowledge is double, but our troubles are triples. I'm just tired. I'm just wore out. Pastor, I'm broken. Well, you need to look at verse 12. Let's keep reading. Because after it talks about God disciplining us, then it said, so lift up your tired hands and strengthen your trembling knees. Keep walking on straight paths so that the lame foot may not be disabled, but instead heal. Now, I'm going to find a witness here, but I need to talk about this for a couple of minutes. Listen, yes, I had God to correct me, and I don't like it. Come on, church. You know, Jesus taught something along that line, didn't he? He said, those who know what's right, but they don't do it will be whipped with, what, many stripes? Those who didn't know, but they did it. They didn't know, but they'd be whipped with few stripes. Or is it the other way around? I don't know. All I know is the stripes hurt. Huh? I mean, come on with me now. I mean, look, look, nobody likes whipping. And I know some of y'all, you're kind of smart elically. Your mama whipped you. You're just trying to smile and not cry. That only made it worse. What you smiling at? And then she turned the volume up on that beating. And then, then you go to crying. Then she whipped you for crying. Stop that crying right now. I can't laugh and I can't cry. But the way you receive it determines the length of it. You know, God been whipping on some folk a long time because they're just determined to do it their way. Let me tell you, when you sense that God is not with what you're doing, stop. Don't create an excuse to keep going. Don't talk about how much money you put into it. Don't talk about, you know, what your friends, you, you'll be embarrassed in front of them. Stop! And then it says this. Your tired hands. Tired from life. Tired from mistakes. Tired from discipline. Anybody here got tired hands? Anybody here tired? 
Anybody here tired of the roller coaster, tired of the merry-go-round, tired of the treadmill? I'm just tired. Just tired. Anybody tired? Anybody got trembling knees? Haven't done all to stand. Stand, but my knees are weak. Anybody in here broken? Look at what he said and let's go home. He said, lift up your hands. So they may be tired, but lift them up. God help me. They may be weak, but lift them up. You may be in this room and you're saying to me, my life is not working. I've got drug problems. I've got liquor problems. I've got sex problems. I've got family problems. I've got relationship problems. My problems got problems. What do I do? Lift up your hands. It's time for us to realize that worship was never designed for folk that got everything perfect. Worship was never designed for people that's got everything going right. Worship is designed for people that are looking for God. And the more you need him, the more you look for him. When you, when you got tiredness going on in life, when you're tired of the way things are going, that's when you dig deeper. And the Bible said the kingdom of God is within you. That's when you reach higher because you know that your father has something for you. Deliverance is for those who are bound, not for those who are already free. People say, Pastor, I'm coming back to church when I get some of my situation worked out. Honey, that's too late. You need to come on now while everything is jacked up. Now, while you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Now, when you don't understand the next move. Now. Somebody lift your hand up. Look around at those hands up. You know who's holding their hands up in this room? People that's got issues. People that's got problems. People whose children have issues. People that are working their way through situations. Because it's not a person in this room that's free from life's problems. Life happens. But lift up your hands. Sometimes folk come to church and they're just so broke, broken down. They just come in the door weeping. And then they want every hand they shake. Pray for me. Pray for me. Hon, you know I'm going through. Pray for me. Pray. Honey, you in the right place. This is the place for people that's going through. Because we're not staying there. I said we're going through there. See, everybody going through is going to. I wish I had some witness. Everybody going through is going somewhere. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Wait, wait, just a minute. <clears throat> I'm trying to shout, but some of y'all pouring water on my praise. 
I said, my cup runs over. When does it run over, David? After I've gone through the valley. You, you do notice that that verse comes after I've gone through the valley of the shadow of death. After I've come through the valley, my cup. Show me a person with a real praise and I'll show you that they've been through a real mess. Show me a person with a real shout and I'll show you they survived a real struggle. Show me a person that came through. They've got a testimony because they've been through a test. They've got something to say. I'm, I'm through. But not only your tired hands, what about your trembling knees? Anybody here ever stood for right so long until you're tired of standing for it? Now, now here's what they used to say in the old church. You, Sometimes you have to give up the right for the wrong. Now, now that's what they meant. They didn't say it right, but that's what they meant. Sometimes you're so tired of being honest. Everybody on the job stealing but you. They give you an hour for lunch, you take 50 minutes. They give other folk an hour for lunch, they take an hour and 20 minutes. Has it ever seemed like your stand has grown weaker? Your hands are for worship. Your knees are for prayer. Now, what I love about God is God doesn't honor the prayer more because of my posture. I'm on my knees praying, but praying on your knees is the symbol of humility. And sometimes you can't get to the knees of your body, but you can always get to the knees of your heart. When we say get on your knees, honey, we ain't talking about bow down on your knees. Sometimes you got to just get on the knees of your heart. You got to go in that break room. You got to go sit in the car for a little while. You got to go to the ladies' room. You got to get somewhere where you can get on your knees. Sometimes you're on your knees at your desk and nobody knows it but you and God. But you recognize that when you talk to God in prayer, just a little talk. With Jesus. <laughs> Just a little talk. See, I don't have enough witnesses here. I've been to court when I was a young man. And standing in front of the judge, he started calling off a price I didn't want to pay. You ever been there? He started off with the maximum sentence. I didn't want to pay that. You know what I did? I went on my knees in prayer. Now I'm facing the bench. I don't have a witness. But I'm on my knees in prayer. 
And when the judge got through talking, he'd done everything but thrown the case out because I'm talking to Jesus while he's talking to me. Isn't it wonderful how prayer can work? You can be standing in line in prayer. You can have folk in your face talking about hurting you, but you got in touch with God in prayer. You say, Pastor, my knees are tired. Use them anyway, honey. Pray anyhow. Get humble. The Bible said those that humble themselves shall be exalted. But those who exalt themselves will be abased. Listen, go into God's throne room humbly because there's something in there for you. Prayer is not an Aladdin's lamp that you rub so some wishes can come true. Prayer is not a rabbit's foot to give you good luck. Prayer is not a zodiac symbol that you wear around your neck to increase your luck. Prayer is designed for the saint to have fellowship with God. And you can access the throne room anytime you go in prayer. Last one, and let's get ready. Pat your foot. That sounds mighty good there. Because he said, not only lift up your tired hands and your trembling feet, he refers to your broken foot. He said, you got a lame foot that's close to being disabled. I'm, I'm, I'm through, I'm through, I'm through. But you got a lame foot because you've been walking so long. And now you're in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s. 70s, your 80s, lame foot. You know, the thing about this lame foot, he said, you got to do something before you get totally disabled. Oh, God. That, oh, there are some people that have been on the pity list so long until they're disabled now. They didn't put their faith to work. See, you can have faith, but if you don't work it, I knew a person that owned a car, but they couldn't drive. They had no driver's license, never took any driver's lessons. But they owned a car, so if they wanted to go somewhere, they have to pay somebody to come over and drive them. Let me ask you before I sit down. Do you have a car and no license? Do you have faith and you're not working it? Do you have the name of Jesus and you've never used it? 
Is the only reason you ever used the name of Jesus was when you wanted to get saved? So you called on the name of the Lord. But these last 35 years you've been a Christian. Did you use that name when trouble rose? Did you use that name when your pocket got empty? Did you use that name when you couldn't get a job? Did you use that name when you were outdoors? See, all of that happens in life. But the reason I got the name of Jesus is to use it when I got a problem. I, you know, I'm out, I'm, 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 out, I'm out of time. Hey, hey, hey. Here's the thing. You can have the name of Jesus and use it in the wrong way. Listen at you. Lord have mercy. Well, that ain't going to help you. You broke, Lord have mercy ain't going to help you. You sick, Lord have mercy. That ain't going to help you. Use the name in the right way. Are, are, are you almost ready to shout? Because we got a double whammy coming up, all right? The name, see, there's healing in the name. That's a shouting point right there. That's a shouting point. There's deliverance in the name. There's provision in the name. There's prosperity in the name. There's joy in the name. There's victory in the name. Pat your foot, pat your foot, pat your foot, pat your foot, pat your foot. Why, why am I having you to pat your foot? Because my feet got lame from struggling in life. There's a promised land over there, but I can't get it unless I cross the Jordan. And I'm tired of trying. I'm tired of failing. I'm tired of losing. But listen, now that I know how to Use my failure. Now that I know how to lift my tired hand. Now that I know how to go down on my weak knee. Then the Bible said, walk on the straight path. So that your lame foot won't get disabled. Stand up, stand up, y'all. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Wait. I told you I'm done. I told you I'm done. You. Yeah. I told you I'm done. But he said, keep walking on the straight path so that your lame foot will not be disabled. You know, the only thing that kept them from the promised land is they stopped walking. They left Egypt walking and they walked out of slavery. When they got to the Red Sea, they kept on walking and they walked right through it. When they were bitten by fiery serpents, they kept on walking. And they got healed when they looked up at the brass serpent and lived. If you've been through the sea, if you've come through the wilderness, 
if you come through hating snakes, why would you stop now? Why not walk on into your destiny? I know you've had pressures. I know you've had trouble. I know you've had problems. But through it all, I've learned how to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I've learned how to trust in God. I know there have been mountains. I know there's been a Red Sea. I know there's been fiery serpents. But through it all, God has helped you to get better and not bitter. I said, God has helped you to get stronger and not stranger. I said, God has helped you. You know why you went through all you've gone through? Is to get you ready for the promise of the Lord. I know you cried many tears. I know you had many heartbreaks. But God lets you go through it. So he can get you where he wants you to go. When you get to where God has for you. You'll know how to praise him. You'll know how to thank him. You'll know that you didn't do it on your own. You know what the old folk used to say. How I got over. My soul looks back and wonders. How did I make it through that sickness? God, how did I make it through that, that trouble? God, how did I make it through that divorce? God, how did I make it through that issue? God, and the same God. You know, B.B. King said, as long as he sang and played Lucille for black folk, he'd have to get on his knees, lay on his back and pick the guitar, spin around in circles for them to say anything. He said, but when he played it for white people, all he had to do was pick Lucille and they start crying and tipping him. Now I know y'all are black, but y'all making me preach too hard. I'm calling them out. I'm talking about God. I'm talking about deliverance. I'm talking about freedom. I'm talking about prosperity. I'm talking about Jesus, my Savior, my Lord, my helper. Oh, Jesus. You're making me preach too hard. Uh, is there anybody here that loves the Lord? Uh?